Hi, good morning. And obviously I'm not with you this morning in person. Carrie and I are on vacation this week and uh, we had a little bit of a change of plans and so I've pre-recorded a sermon for you and I just want to say hello and blessings to you and uh, happy that we have the capability to still do this. I'm in the sanctuary. I'm not behind the pulpit today because uh, when I'm recording, we're still uh, putting the carpet in, but I'm so excited to see all of that when it's installed. And by the way, I invite you to turn in your Bible to James chapter 2, where we'll be today, a, a wonderful passage. And we'll be looking at verses 14 to 26. Uh, I also want to say, while Carrie and I are on vacation, uh, please be praying for us, Lord willing. We will be back next week uh, praying for safe travels and um, again, just so thankful for this church and for all of you. Again, James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26 today. And I'll begin reading now. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food... And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works, And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. And though we are separated by distance, Lord, I I pray for the church today. And I'm just so thankful uh, for every single person that we have in our fellowship and community. Lord, and I rejoice in that. And for all of us, Lord, I pray for, most importantly, our faith in your gospel and our continuing edification and sanctification by the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with us today as, you are, as we are studying in your word. I pray that our love and affection for the gospel can be stirred and that we can be pointed to greater love and affection for you. Lord, I also want to pray for Jeff and his family as they mourn the loss of his sister this week. And I pray that you would continue to be with them and near to them as they mourn and grieve. 
Lord, I pray for all of us through everything that we're going through as a, as a community, as a society. Lord, it's been such a trying year, and I pray for continued faith and reliance upon you and you alone for our hope and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Being vegan. When you're a vegan, you don't eat meat or use animal products. Being vegan is a lifestyle. Now, if I said that I was a vegan and invited you over to my house for dinner, and you said, what are we having? And I said, surf and turf, we're having fish and steak. And then we washed it down with a big glass of milk. And then you noticed under your feet we were sitting on a table on a bearskin rug. And then you looked at the silverware and thought, is this ivory silverware? Is that even legal? And you look up at the wall and you see all of these, all of this big game hunting that I've apparently been doing. All of these animal heads that I have had taxidermized and put on the walls. You might start to think, he's not really a vegan. Because just saying that you're a vegan doesn't make you a vegan. Actually, being vegan takes more than just what you say. If someone eats meat and then becomes a vegan, there will be changes in his or her life. Our text this morning talks about one of the biggest ways in which the world misunderstands Christianity. And we're going to look at the idea of faith and works and why you can't have one without the other. And as I said, we're looking at a passage in the book of James today. But I think it's also helpful to see the case for this throughout the New Testament. And so I begin with a couple of questions to consider. Is it possible to be a Christian and to not have a life that reflects the faith that you claim to have? And if you say that you have faith and that you're a follower of Jesus Christ but there's nothing in your life that suggests that you actually are following him, do you really have faith at all? Or put another way, if we are justified by faith, does it then matter how we live? If the price has been paid, the penalty for sin has been satisfied, why not just do whatever we want? We're continuing this morning in our series, The Forensics of Faith. And as I mentioned a moment ago, our focus this week is on the balance of faith and works. And it's my goal today to see how they work together in our salvation. And the main idea from this passage in James that I want to emphasize this week is that faith without works works to show faith that doesn't work. And with that, we'll begin in... Chapter 2, verse 14. And at the beginning of our passage, James asks, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? He then asks, Can that faith save him? What good is it to have faith without works? What good is it to say you have faith if you don't have works? It's like a meat-eating vegan. James gives a situation in verses 15 and 16 where he talks of what real faith looks like. 
Verse 15, he says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? James, writing to Christians, he talks of a scenario where someone from the Christian community encounters a person who's wearing rags and going hungry. But does the person do anything to help? They simply say, go in peace, be warmed and filled. And the issue when interacting with the poor person clearly isn't in wishing them well. We should pray for people. But the issue is in not doing anything to help a person in need. In not loving your neighbor as yourself. To to treat others like that, James is arguing, is an indication of insincere faith. To have apathy and understanding the gospel and understanding the weight of sin and the glory of God's grace, that is meant to change our perspective. A man shared a story in a theology group that I'm part of on Facebook. He and his wife sometimes demonstrate at an abortion clinic, clinic and they handed a card with information to a woman who was going in. And a couple springs ago, one of the women who received these cards called them and said, did you really mean that you could do something to help me? The woman had left the clinic that day and she changed her mind about the abortion. But she was homeless. And that night, when the woman called, her and her four-year-old son moved into this family's home and lived with them for the next two months. After the baby was born, the man shared that as she was looking at her son, her newborn baby, she had tears in her eyes and imagined a different world where she had made a different decision and not had the child. But she was helped and enabled by this loving Christian couple actually coming and helping her, actually living out the gospel. There are people in our lives and opportunities that we have to serve people. Faith without works works to show faith that doesn't work. In verse 17, James begins to throw down the gauntlet, talks about faith and works throughout this section. Just briefly to consider some of the statements that James makes in this passage. Verse 17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18, James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Verse 20, faith apart from works is useless. Verse 24, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And the issue is this. At first glance, can seem to go against so much of the rest of the New Testament and especially against the writings of Paul. Martin Luther had reservations about the entire book of James being in the Bible at all, largely because of this passage, because it seemed so contrary to what was in so much of the rest of the New Testament. In Paul's writings... The emphasis is on justification by faith. To briefly give some examples, Romans 3.28, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. 
Romans 5, 1, Paul says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified by faith. Galatians 3, 24. The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and a result of works. And sorry, and it, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. In that passage, Paul specifically says that our salvation is not a result of works. And it's not just Paul. The most well-known verse in the Bible, John three sixteen: God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Faith, coming to God in faith. Over and over in the Bible, we are taught that we cannot earn God. The grace is freely given by those who accept it and who trust in the work of Christ. But in James, he says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. How does that work? How are we justified by faith apart from works of the law? But at the same time, James says, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Is the Bible contradictory? Is James teaching a different gospel? In the context of the New Testament, when you place your faith in Christ, we've been talking about this over the last few weeks in our series, God gives you his Holy Spirit. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit transforms us. He sanctifies us from the inside out. We don't make ourselves holy. It is God making us holy, sanctifying us, working in us. All people who come to faith have the Holy Spirit. During his earthly ministry, Jesus promised the Spirit to the apostles in John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Or John 16, 8, Jesus says, And when he comes, referring to the Holy Spirit, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So we are given the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit convicts us. Later on in that same passage, Jesus will say, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So we have the Holy Spirit. We are guided by the Holy Spirit. So any type of argument about faith without works, it's not a matter of simply saying that you believe in the gospel. Just like how it's not simply a matter of saying that you are a vegan. Because to truly believe in the gospel, to truly have faith, is to have God's Spirit. 
And that is what the world misunderstands about Christianity. And these topics we've looked at over the last few weeks all work together. They all complement each other. The world mocks the idea of justification by faith. That if a person can just say they believe in Jesus and be in the clear with God, why not just do whatever you want? But the theological reason why that argument is flawed is that if you have faith, you have the Spirit. And since we don't transform ourselves, it's God who does the work through the Spirit. Which is why to suggest that you can have faith without works is theologically impossible because to have faith is to have the Spirit. And to have the Spirit is to be sanctified, that is, made holy. And to be sanctified is to result in a life that is transformed by the gospel. Matthew 12, 33, Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. He's using a metaphor for spiritual growth. There is evidence in the life of a person who has been transformed by the gospel. We are known by the fruit we produce, the fruit of righteousness. We see it in people who are growing with God, don't we? People's temperaments change, their hearts change, their lives change. People who are walking with God. That healthy trees bear good fruit. And diseased trees bear bad fruit. So again, the idea of a non-sanctified Christian, the idea of a Christian who is not growing and having a life that is changed is not a Christian. Yes, it might ebb and flow at times. When we come to faith in Christ and that infancy stage of faith, Sometimes it can be dramatic, the change in a person's life, to see the real vibrance in a person. At the beginning of our walk with Christ, there might immediately be things that we realize are not honoring to God and that we change and turn from and repent from. I think about babies and how much they change. From birth until the age of three, it's incredible. Learning to crawl, learning to walk, learning to talk, learning to talk back, growing in size, constantly learning and growing. But we don't learn and grow like that at that rate throughout our entire lives. Then when we get into our early teenage years, we go through another massive change in our lives. But there are seasons where there is more and less change. And the same is true spiritually. There are seasons in the Christian life where we are growing more than others. Now, that's not to say we should be complacent. We should be pursuing the Lord every day. It ebbs and flows. But a person who truly has been gripped by the gospel will have a life that is changed because of the gospel. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a process. Again, the moment we place our faith in Christ does not mean that we are perfect. But the good news is that God views us as though we are. We are not perfectly loving, perfectly anything. But God is gracious when we come to faith. 
we're forgiven of our sins. And even though we have the Holy Spirit in us, working through us, in this fallen world, we continue to sin. And so when we talk about faith and works, and I consider this passage in James, James is not preaching another gospel. Because he is not saying that we can earn our salvation. Salvation is entirely the work of Christ. To quote from Charles Spurgeon, It is wrong to tell a man he must repent before he may trust Christ. But it is right to tell him that having trusted Christ, it is not possible for him to remain impenitent. There never was in this world such a thing as an impenitent believer in Jesus Christ, and there never can be. Faith and repentance are born in a spiritual life together, and they grow up together. So to reiterate, and I know I'm beating the drum this morning, we are justified by faith. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus' life was enough. His death was enough. The blood that he spilled was enough. His body that was broken was enough. The life to which he was resurrected was enough. We could not earn God. We could not be godly. But through his mercy and goodness, Jesus came for us to live for us. He died for us to save us from our sins. And all we have to do is to trust him and to believe in him and to have faith in that. And when we do, God gives us his spirit. Like the Apostle Paul said, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Justified by faith alone. And it is also true that justifying faith results in a changed life. Both things are true. The Bible says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. I was struck by a story I read one time from Craig Barnes, professor and former pastor of the National Presbyterian Church. Barnes' father had also been a pastor. When Craig was a child, his family adopted a boy named Roger, who was 12 years old. Roger's parents had both died as a result of of drug abuse. Roger was adopted into the Barnes family, though. And Pastor Barnes recounts that every day, multiple times a day, Roger would be corrected for things that he was doing. He had baggage from his previous life. He would be corrected when he yelled at someone or showed disrespect. He would be corrected when he wanted to hit someone in the family. He was adopted into this family. His status in this family was not going to change. Because the father had taken Roger into the family. Barnes says, did Roger have to make all those changes in order to be part of our family? No. He was made part of the family simply by the grace of my father. But did he then have to do a lot of hard work because he was in the family? You bet he did. It was tough for him to change, and he had to work at it. But he was motivated by gratitude for the incredible love he had received. Back in our passage, verse 18, James makes a rhetorical statement and says, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, 
And I will show you my faith by my works. Almost like James is saying, look, that's what you do. You live, you live that out. But for me, I just have faith. I do my own thing. But true faith, saving faith, isn't merely some sort of loose intellectual agreement as to who God is. Rather, it's having a relationship with the living God who took away the penalty of our sins. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. That's a pretty profound statement that James makes. See, Leslie Mitten makes this observation. It is a good thing to possess an accurate theology, but it is unsatisfactory unless that good theology possesses us. In the Gospels, it's interesting how the Pharisees doubt Jesus and who he claims to be. The disciples are often confused about who Jesus really is. But you know in the Gospels who never doubts or disputes Jesus? Demonic spirits. Think about that. Just knowing who God is is one thing. But that's not a matter of following him and trusting him and living for him. James says in verse 19, you believe God is one? Good. But even the demons believe that. That's not enough. That won't save you. Believing some things about God which are true, it's about believing what matters most, the gospel, the salvation that comes through Christ. And if we're walking around and saying we have faith and it doesn't show up in our lives, It is a work of God's grace that he gives us a passage like this one in the book of James. Because Jesus did not die to keep us the same. He lived the life that we could not live, but it was the life that he desires us to live. And in his goodness, there's grace when we fail, but we have an example. Not arbitrary life, but a life lived out in the truth of the goodness of God. It's salvation, but it's not only that. It's being invited to true life. Again, we don't have all the answers in the beginning. It's a lifelong learning process because we're imperfect people. And this is one of the many reasons why it's so important to spend time with the Lord every day, to have a strong devotional life, growing with God every day. Seeing the things that God values. Because in his word, that's the clearest place where his truths are communicated. There are all sorts of differing opinions and voices in our society. There are so many changing values. But the truth in God's word is to be our bedrock and foundation. Instead of just forming opinions of what we think God wants, we can turn to his word. Faith without works works to show faith that doesn't work. James follows things up in verse 20 when he says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Now, the fact that James refers to someone as foolish might seem kind of mean. But the point is that a person who thinks that they can be living in faith without walking in faith is foolish. They're showing the opposite of wisdom. 
to their own detriment and endangerment. And so to further solidify his point, James gives us two examples from the Old Testament, Abraham and Rahab. Going back to the passage, verse 21, James says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Abraham's mentioned numerous places in the New Testament, oftentimes in connections with Genesis 15, that Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But here, James says that Abraham was justified by works. Once again, I ask, are we running into an inconsistency? Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. But here, James says he was justified by works. Both statements are true because faith is the entry point to the gospel of God, coming to God, turning to God, and in his good news and redemption. And the work that James is referring to when Abraham trusted God and lived it out. When Abraham and Sarah had waited years for a son and God finally answered that prayer, Abraham was told then to sacrifice his son in Genesis 22. And Abraham, in that unimaginable situation, trusted God to the point of being willing to do it before an angel intervened. But that was showing true faith and supreme confidence in God. Living it out. Yet, before that happened, Abraham had believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And when we live it out, James is saying, the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham was living out the truth of what he really believed. But because he believed, the maturation of his faith was a life lived in accordance with that faith. A life lived out trusting the Lord. And it was because of that supreme trust that Abraham was willing to offer up his son Isaac. Faith without works. Works to show faith that doesn't work. James again reiterates in verse 24 that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And then in verse 25, he gives the example of Rahab. And he says, in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received messengers and sent them out by another way? If you don't remember Rahab in the Old Testament, she's in the book of Joshua. Rahab was a prostitute. She was not an Israelite. But when the Israelites were in the land where she lived in Jericho, she took actions that helped the Israelites in capturing the city. She acted out in faith and the belief in the God of Israel. And in that case, in the case of Rahab, to think of her faith, it is entirely associated with the actions which she took. And in connection with Rahab, and Abraham, and with all people who have faith, the passage closes by saying that as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. 
A refrain that James has been hitting throughout this passage. And it's one final reminder that you must have faith and as a result of faith and the transformed life works that show authentic faith. The purpose of this passage in the book of James is not to communicate hyper-legalism or that we are in any way earning God, but that we live out our faith as a result of what we know to be true about God. The body would be nothing without the Spirit, as faith is nothing without works. Faith without works is dead, but works without faith are meaningless. Works without faith cannot earn salvation and heaven and the gospel. Works without faith is not the basis for our forgiveness and justification before God. Only Christ is. It's a matter of having both, of trusting God and the call here in the book of James showing the immense grace of God. But it's also a warning against someone who doesn't really believe in the gospel because some people aren't walking with God, never have been. Maybe they were baptized as a baby. Maybe they're here every week. Maybe they're reading the Bible regularly. We have to have faith. We have to believe. And then to live that out. Faith without works is dead. We are known by our fruit. And it's a reminder that confronts us to the question of where we are in our relationship with God. What kind of fruit are you producing? What kinds of ways have you seen God working through you? In what ways has your love for God grown? Like I've said, it ebbs and flows. But where are you with God today? Do you have assurance of the free grace that he offers? Do you know that the gospel is our only hope? And if you know that, does your life reflect it? How long does it take to be a follower of Jesus Christ? We accept the gospel in a moment, but following Jesus is a process that lasts the rest of our lives as we are continually sanctified to the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your gospel and that our relationship with you doesn't end there, but you invite us to a life with you. Let us rejoice in that, Lord. And once again, personally, I would like to thank you so much for everyone at our church who I can't be with today. Lord, I pray for your blessings on them this week. I pray for safe travels back home for Carrie and I. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great week, and we will, Lord willing, see you Sunday. Please pray for safe travels for us. Thank you so much.